You can turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we'll get there here in just a little bit. First, I want to tell you a story. It has to do with this picture this up here, which I was really, when I put this in, I thought, you know, that's not going to be good because then somebody's going to think about, oh, my baby, and start crying because they're graduating this year. But then I decided as I was sitting over here earlier, y'all all done been crying anyway. What's one more tear? And nobody's even going to notice. And all I can say is, I was there last year. I know exactly what you're going through. Oh, my word. We were, Steve and I were talking back here as he was preparing to go up, that, you know, nobody warns you as men that when you become a father, something inside, the only word I know for it is something breaks, okay? Like you physically feel it snap in two. And then if you're a daughter, dad, it breaks twice. Like it just, you just... And and then you're never able to keep yourself from crying again. Ralph, daughter, dad, Steve, daughter, dad, me, daughter, dad. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so, and I'm just, I'm actually, I have nothing to cry for this morning. And I can already feel myself fighting it just because I have such great sympathy for you. Uh, but it's real. It's real. And so all of these little things, they, they, they just, they well up inside you. But there is hope. Some of you may have already experienced it Friday night at graduation, if you already had that or you're about to at some of the graduations over the next week or so. Uh, it does actually, as as fathers, I can say, there will be a moment where it switches from the sadness of this impending change to the excitement and pride of what you know your child is, is becoming and your young adult child is becoming. And that is actually really, really cool. But you don't get there except through the valley of the shadow of death and tears. Okay, that just that's that's probably what David was talking about. He was like, Solomon's about to graduate. And I know the Lord's with me. And that's probably what was happening. So here we go with this picture. First grade student named Ryan is there on his first day of school and the bell rings and all the other kids line up because they know they're going to cafeteria for lunch. But Ryan does not line up for cafeteria for lunch. Ryan starts packing up his backpack and putting it on his shoulders like this kid. He's ready to head toward the door. And teacher is like, whoa, 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 Ryan, you can't go. We're not done yet. He's like, what do you mean we're not done yet? Well, we still have to have lunch. Well, I thought I had lunch at, at home because apparently this happens. So, this is a true story. And apparently it happened long enough ago. Some of us in the room who either have shorter or lesser or grayer hair, remember, when kindergartners went in two shifts, anybody here remember that? I didn't because I went to Little Folks Dude Ranch. I had a full day. Uh, but if you were at public school for kindergarten, because back then you picked what you wanted to do, uh, it was half days, like literally a half a day at lunch. Early kids left and late kids came in for the second half of the day. It was a weird system. And you can see why they don't do that anymore. Uh, but that's the way it was. Well, he had always gone the early shift. He's ready to go home. This means I get to go home, have lunch with grandma. And the teacher's like, no, you got to stay. We're having lunch. What? Yeah. And after lunch, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to have some more classes and we're going to do some more work and we're going to learn some more things. And Ryan looks at his teacher and puts his hands on his hips and says, who signed me up for this deal? And what I the reason I want to share this story with you this morning is to our seniors. You're welcome. You have been signed up for a deal, and at some point or another, you're going to put your hands on your head and go, well, I didn't sign up for this deal. It may be when they talk to you about financial aid, or it may be when they talk to you about extra shifts, or it may be when they talk to you about 
uh, what that mortgage rate interest is going to be. Oh, Lord, have mercy for anybody buying a home in the next several years. It may be all of the above where you're going to go. What? Well, this is not what I signed up for. That may be the rallying cry of Gen Z. I didn't sign up for this, but you did. You did. Like You were born. And that was your little signature on your birth certificate. You're here for it. What I want to talk about this morning very quickly is that even though life doesn't always turn out the way we think or we hope or we plan, sometimes it does. There are people that sit there and they sit down, and they plan out like every bit of their life and every stage of what their career will be. And, and I'm going to, you know, buy a house at this time and do this at this time, get married at this time and have children at this time. And bless their hearts, some people actually kind of follow that schedule. We call them space aliens. They're clearly lizard people in disguise. Because this doesn't work with humans. I don't know where these people came from. But real life is just so much different than that. And so you have plans, right? I don't know exactly what all of your plans are going to be. And some of those may go still happen differently. But you may accomplish the things that you've got as far as goals. But even the people that I just made fun of, even those people have had many twists and turns in their life. And they only got where they planned to go by the grace of God and some really diligent hard work and some really quick decision-making in the rough of it. Okay, nothing is just, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and it's going to get there. And if anybody has told you graduates that that's the way it's going to be, that, you know, well, you know, you'll do this and this and this and this and this, and they just made it all sound like it's a one, two, three, kick, step plan. These are not the people you ever go to for wisdom again. They don't know what they're talking about. Life is hard. Is that what you wanted to hear? But life is. But it's hard for good. Okay, it's hard for good. So let's go to James chapter one. This is where we'll look at first. He says, James chapter one, starting in verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When we read that, you were talking about this the other day with me, Keith. The, when we read this, sometimes we go, that that passage doesn't make any sense, James. And I assume you're talking to him, not me because I didn't write it. But it doesn't make any sense. Why would I consider trials to be joy? Well, I would be the wrong person to ask because I don't consider all my joy, all my trials to be joys. Not all my joys were trials either. And yet this is what he says. It's definitely a standard that I aspire to. But I have my wife as a witness that it doesn't always quite click. Some things are hard, challenging, difficult, and not at all, sometimes incredibly contrary to the way that we hope or plan or think things will be. But it's for a purpose. Okay? I want to speak to the the slide that's up there for a second before I go further into this thought. I remember being where you are. And I look back on that, and I loved it at the time, and I love it now. Okay, I know where you are because I know what it's like to finally be done and graduated and, and through, but through is really just a beginning. And so you're looking at the next thing. For me, that was Adventures in Missions. And I had been called by God to do what I'm doing. And so that was the next step for me. Everybody has a different thing that God has for them. Some of us know what that is. 
Uh, and some of us think we know what that is. And then, you know, one of the twists and turns is you find out that, oh, no, he actually had other plans. Uh, that actually was true for me. I was a kid raised during the Cold War. And I was a Christian, more importantly, raised during the Cold War. And the mission bug had bitten. I had studied German for three years. And the wall came down in 1989 and I graduated in 1990. So what was on my mind? I was ready to go. And I was hoping and praying to go to specifically to East Germany. The problem was when I got there, AIM didn't have any missionaries in uh, East Germany yet. It was too soon. It wasn't ready yet. And so I ended up going to New York. Some of you might think that's the same thing as East Germany, but it's not really quite the same. But uh, I ended up going to New York. God had completely different plans and I wouldn't change them for the world, even though uh, I was so excited to go and do what I thought I was going to do and what those new adventures were. What made me just as excited to go to a place that would never have ever come up in my thought process at all is that I trusted the Lord who pointed me there. And I want you to think about this as you look at the things that you're going to work toward. Some of those you will accomplish. It is God's will for you to accomplish those things and he will carry you through them. He may carry you through them for different reasons than you imagine. He may give you A, but not A and B. He may give you A and Y, and you won't know why, and you won't understand. Trust the one who points you because he knows both the needs of your present and the needs of your future. And he knows the needs of those who will be in your life that you do not even yet know. And he's shaping you to be Jesus to those people through all of this. Some of it will be incredibly fun. It will be an adventure. Some of it will be exhilarating as you as you do things you never thought you'd have the opportunity to do. And some of those things will be scary and should be. And some of those things will be heartbreaking. You will go through times in your life that are heartbreaking. And out of all of those circumstances, God is knitting you together to be a strong man or woman in the faith. And you won't even always know why or what he has intended for you as he makes you stronger in places you'd rather stayed weaker because it didn't require strength training or pain. But there's a why. Trust the God who knows why when you face all of those challenges. One of my favorite New Testament characters, people, brothers for us who are in Christ, he's our brother, is Peter the Apostle. And one of my favorite events in his life is maybe not one of his favorite events. I have no idea. I guess I'll have to ask when we get there what he thought about all of that. But it's when he got out of the boat to walk on water. And we can criticize him for losing a bit of, of perspective and for finding a weak spot in his faith. But we can also look at that as one of those times where God is using Peter and using Peter to show other people what faith really looks like. Both ways, when we have it and when we don't, when it's weaker. Because there were witnesses to this event that were back in the boat who were not brave enough to even step out of the boat or not even visionary enough to think that they could. They never thought about saying, Jesus, if that's really you, let me walk out to you. And when Peter said it, they stood back and probably thought things like, Peter, you are so dumb. What are you doing? And then when they see his feet leave the side of the boat, not honest. That's when you'd have gotten out your phone. And you'd hit record. But it wasn't to see him walk on water, would it be? 
Or would you be getting out your phone to record him go kerploop? Yeah, I know how that is. That's it. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I'd have been like, oh, this is going to be great on YouTube. <laughs> and it was because he puts his feet out on the water and he walks. We focus on a sinking, but he walked by faith out so far. The moment that he got distracted, got fearful. Yes, he sunk. And so will you. So will you. There will be times in your life you are going to make decisions that you're going to bomb. See that the wrong decision, go about it in the wrong way, or there are things you just couldn't know that just make it a bomb. Maybe you did everything right and it still ends up wrong because that is the way that life works, isn't it? Every adult knows this because you've been through it multiple times in your life. And you know what you do? If you're an adult in Christ, when those things happen, you thank God. You thank God. You go, what? He said, consider it pure joy. Yeah, you thank God. Because God will get you through it and you praise him. Even when you don't know how he's going to do it, you praise him that he is even before you see it done. And you thank God for the strength that it will give you and trust him that it will. That will be transformative in your life if you embrace that. It will make all the difference in how failures come into your life and go because they will make you stronger instead of weaker and pr filled with praise instead of shame. So learn that trust. When Peter realized that he was sinking and that he could not make it without Jesus, the first thing he did, and this is the awesome part of the story, he says, oh, Lord, save me. Because in those moments, there is only one who can save. There's only one who can redeem some bad choices. There is only one who can turn them from mistakes into testimonies. And that's Jesus Christ. Call on him. Never think that you can get so far away from God that you can't call on him again. Tim Keller was a preacher in New York City and a very influential preacher in New York City in terms of bringing people to Christ They're in a place that's very hard to bring people to Christ. He passed away in this last week from cancer. One of the things he said, I shared it on Facebook, I think last night or this morning, uh, one of the things he said was, if Jesus suffered all that he did on the cross... You can know this. This is a paraphrase. You can know this. He's not going to give up on you. Ever. Why would he have gone through that if he wasn't determined to get you through? So no matter what changes happen in life and challenges happen in life, you remember he is there for you always. And he will always be. It's the story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son is not there to shame the prodigal for being a prodigal. The story of the prodigal son is there to call him home and let him know that door always open, that love always there, and that grace can always be yours. One of the things that I thought was funny when I was in New York as a student was one of my teammates. Uh, he refused the our our we had a, a we called him a coordinator. He was like our mentor and teacher, and he was he was the minister there for the church training us in ministry. And he was handing out keys uh, to the building so we could get into the church building or the office whenever we needed to to get different things done. And my friend said, I don't, I don't want a key. 
He's like, you don't want a key? He's like, no, I don't want a key. I don't want a key. He said, I don't like, I do, I do not like keys. He could never have been a guy, Bob. He did not like keys. Okay. Uh, Reagan, you, you, you know, this is just a beginner's key set because you know your grandfather. Uh, but, but my friend Tim, he hated extra keys. The reason he hated extra keys, he said, was every key is a responsibility. He said, when you hand me a key, you're giving me something that I am now responsible for. If you give me keys to a car, I'm responsible for that car. I have to take care of it. I have to make sure I'm not in an accident and it. It has to be there in the driveway, not stolen. I have to take care of that car, keep it fueled, keep the oil changed, all these things. This key is not a key. This key, he said, is responsibility. If you give me a key to the building, what am I responsible for? He said, I don't want any keys. And I saw him do this several times. I give that speech several times. I don't want a key. He had very small little little keychain that he was willing to take responsibility for. But life and the proof of our character and the depth of our faith is reflected in our responsibilities. We don't like those things. Bills, you're going to have bills, right? Even if you don't have uh, school loans or anything like that, you're still going to have bills. You're going to have electric and water and you know, rent or a mortgage and blah, 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 blah. I don't want to like depress everybody. So I'm going to stop my list there. Uh, you're going to have that. You're going to have inflation and all those kinds of things. And that's going to happen. If you have children, you'll have responsibilities for those children in that list. Wow. You ain't seen keys till you have children. And then, and then grandkids and all that. You're going to have all kinds of responsibilities. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Don't dread it and don't run from it. Nothing builds your character like saying yes to responsibility. It's kind of a dirty word in our society at the moment, but the people who stand out are the people who take responsibility, who show up on time, who are at work, who do their job well. That's why you get the promotions, right, Slater? Because you do your job, you're responsible. That's how that works. And if you are a responsible, upright person of integrity, especially an upright, responsible person of integrity with the spirit of Christ. Let me tell you something. This is a secret that the world doesn't know. The world is yours right now. Nobody will want to hire anyone more than they will want to hire you. No one will trust anyone any more than they will want to trust you. God gives you a gift when he calls you to people to be people of faith and character and responsibility it makes you a very unique person in your field, whatever that is. It also makes you a wonderful missionary in your field, whatever that is, because your life becomes your testimony, becomes your opening of doors for people. They will look at you and how you live and how you handle your responsibilities and say, you know, I need that. And I'm not saying that like some kind of a preacher theory. Oh, if I just go be a Christian set example, people will want to follow Christ. I'm saying that because I have brothers and sisters in Christ that I've been in that water with that are brothers and sisters in Christ because some of their co-workers where they worked did just what I just told you. A friend of mine went to a co-worker at the plant where he worked and said, I've been watching you for 19 years and I don't know what you've got that I don't have, but I want it. And my brother David sat there in the break room and shared the gospel with him and he was baptized into Christ. God will use you in incredible ways 
embrace the things that he puts in front of you, even when it looks like work, maybe even especially when it looks like work and it looks like responsibility because you don't know the doors that God may be opening through that. And if you will embrace those things and trust the Lord in all of that, then you will actually start to reap all those rewards. How did, you know, sometimes we admire uh, people in our lives, for example, Guy Bob and Debbie and, and people that, and grandparents, uh, and we wonder, how did they get there? This is how they got there. This is why they are who they are. This is why they were who they were. It's why they have so many friends and so much family who admire them and love them and look up to them. It's because they admired and followed and looked up to Jesus. It's because they trusted him when things didn't go right and they kept the spirit of Christ as their guide when they didn't know what to do because they leaned on God in prayer, because they lean into his word to know how to live. This is how you get there. There'll be a lot of other skills that you have to pick up. There are things you'll have to learn uh, either through experience or class or both, most of the time both. You'll have to learn some some things along the way that you didn't even know you needed to know. But there's nothing that you need to know more than this. God is for you. Christ is for you. And his spirit is in you. And whatever comes, God has this. And whatever comes, God is working it to his glory, to your strength, and to your betterment. And you can praise God now for what comes ahead. I want to read one passage. Proverbs chapter 3. We often quote just a couple of verses out of this. I want to read several because it's just hard to tear these apart from each other. This is Solomon's wisdom to his sons who were in a place very much like our graduates are today. And by the way, everything I'm saying applies to all ages and all circumstances. Very much applies to a new Christian baptized into Christ today. But it also, if, if on that first picture where the guy had the two poles, the hiking poles, if you were looking at that and thinking that that looks more like your walker, it's still for you. I know, I get it. I, some of y'all saw a walker. It wasn't a walker. But, you know, if you've, had to, if you've had to start using a walker, that's just a change and a challenge that God is trying to make you stronger with. See it that way. Use it like, like my friend knew a lady named Cloma Boone. Now, does that say an age like a name could say? Cloma Boone. And Cloma used that thing as a front-end loader to lift things out of the way in front of her, like children and preachers. And she just ram you with the thing. Anyway, chapter 3, Solomon is talking to his sons, and he wants them to know the same kind of things that we want to know and want our, our children and grandchildren to know. My son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many days and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Find them around your neck. Write them on, your, on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. 
Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Let's pray together.